Firecrackers, this is the Firecracker Department, and I am Naomi Sneakers. Welcome! Welcome! We haven't talked for so long! It's crazy! For those of you who are new to the Firecracker Department, the Firecracker Department is a podcast that we started a couple years ago, and it's basically, I talked to dynamic, inspiring, exciting women in the entertainment industry about their victories, their challenges, the lessons they've learned along the way. And we just have these really great heart-to-heart discussions full of laughs, sometimes tears, but they're always so inspiring. We haven't chatted for a long time because we've been sort of gearing up for this new chapter of the Firecracker Department. I am so jazzed. I'm going to tell you a little story. So in October... We've been doing Firecracker Department for a while now, and uh, it's been going great. But the thing is, Caitlin, Chrissy, and I have been working on it for a while now with the help of Jen Pogue. And uh, the problem is we've had these great dreams and exciting ideas, and we couldn't do it. It was too much. We've just had too much work on our hands uh, getting these podcasts out. So in, I want to say October, I reached out on social media and in sort of my friend circles and said, I need some help. And like 15 kick-ass women came forward and said, I'm in. I don't know what you need, but I'm in and I want to help. So you had this meeting over at the Second City Theater, the training center. And uh, I think there were 15 of us there. And I got um, some snacks because you got to have snacks. Caitlin brought a box of wine because you got to have a little bit of wine. I brought Dixie Cups. Well... That's, I'll never hear the end of that one. But I brought Dixie cups because they were the only paper cups that I could find. Everything else was styrofoam, and I just refused. So we had shots of wine, and we all sat together and sort of dreamed about things that we wanted to do together. Dreamed about dreams for firecracker department, but also dreamed about things that we wanted to do individually. And it just caught fire. It just caught fire. It was so exciting. So now, uh, what are we now? February. We have all these other little spin-off departments within the firecracker department. And uh, just this amazing team of women that are working towards what I think is going to be a very powerful place for creative action for uh, women's voices, for women's stories. I'm just excited beyond belief with where it can go. So um, I'm I'm pretty full of gratitude. <laughs> I'll say that. I, uh, for the first like two, I mean, even now I wake up at like six or seven in the morning, just so excited about the possibilities of what could happen with firecracker department that, uh, I just, I'm so grateful to those gals that stepped forward because it made me feel like I was supported and that I could dream. That's incredible. I want to tell you a little bit about everybody in this team now. Um, Caitlin and I have been working together for a while now. She's fantastic. She's just a dynamo. Um, Anna Gustafson has started the Firecracker Comedy Department. So she's the head of that. And that's going to be a place for jokes. A place where we'll do some um, projects, some little festivals, some nights. Uh, We just had an amazing night at uh, the Society for Beer Drinking Ladies, which was just so fun. Anna curated this uh, group of of, um, stand-ups that are also producers. So stay tuned because we actually recorded that. So we'll have a little bit of that coming up later. Uh, So there's like a comedy department. Joanne Boland, who is an amazing actress, um, has started a thing called Firecracker Red Point Department. And that is a place where we can celebrate aging in the industry because it's not being done really. 
We got to celebrate these things because guess what? It's going to happen. I hope it's going to happen. Um, so Red Point Department is sort of recognizing also the women who have come before us and have paved the way and celebrating those folks. There's a lot of celebrating going on in the firecracker department. I'll tell you that. Uh, what else do we have? We have Monica Marion, who just I've known for a bunch of years and she uh, she's just a very funny lady and now a writer and producer. Um, we reconnected over at the Women on Screen event, which is another podcast that's coming up when we recorded that. Um, and she stepped in and said, I want to be part of this group. And I was like, well, great. What do you want to do? And she's like, well, I can edit. And I was like, amazing. So she edits our episodes now. So if there's um, glitchless, that's a word, glitchless podcast, it's because of her. Uh, who else? We've got Rachel Wilson, who's just this beautiful actress, and she's taking over the Firecracker A Sound Mind Department, which is uh, a place to discuss mental health and mental health awareness and how to support each other through mental health tricky times, which I love and I think is so imperative. Laura Lee Del Macchio. Now, she I don't know where she came from. She's just a dynamo. She's a writer. She also does some um, work and crew on suits. Uh, but she's taken over our social media thing with graphic design and social media output. And, oh, man, she's kick-assing. <laughs> I'm inventing words. Kick-assables. She's kick-assing. Uh, so she's fantastic. Who else do we have? We have Jen Pogue. Oh, my God. Jen Pogue. Gosh, everybody knows Jen Pogue. And if you know her, you love her. She's just one of those gals who can do everything. She's a beautiful, sensitive, gentle actress. If you ever see anything that she does, she just does it beautifully. But then also, oh, I design flower arrangements beautifully. I also support women on screen. And now she's doing... Um, firecracker department ignite so ignite department is a place where we can go and share like books that we love or movies that we love podcasts that we love and sort of share different things that inspire us and ignite us we also have oh my god ingrid hamilton i can't say enough great things about ingrid hamilton she runs gat pr uh and she has come on board and is just a dynamo she helps us with all our pr stuff and also social media stuff but also like just she's kind of like this I don't know, sage. She just has words of wisdom constantly of how to focus our brand. And uh, she just has suggestions of getting into um, like festivals. And uh, we're very, very lucky to have her. She's fantastic. Uh, we also have Jessie Gabe. Jessie Gabe, I know from Being Erica. I worked with her on Being Erica. She's a writer. Then she, I worked with her on Mr. D. She became the head writer on Mr. D. And she's just a true buddy of mine. I love her. She's doing the Firecracker 5. So every month we are recognizing a firecracker in the industry. She's going to do a cool photo of them and then ask them five questions. So that's um, also coming up. There's just like kick-ass ladies all about. Christina Nichols helped us launch the um, newsletter. Now here's the thing with the newsletter. Christina set it up and you got to get in on it because the newsletter is the place to... Um, get all your information about Firecracker Department. There's all the department information, but then there's also like job postings and uh, Firecracker Adventures, which are something new that we're developing. Firecracker Adventures are someplace where people can, um, you know, let's say you're going to go to an event or you're going to go see a movie. Post on Twitter what you're doing, hashtag Firecracker Adventure, and maybe there's somebody in your community that's like, I want to go to that, but I didn't want to go alone. Guess what? 
Now you're not going to go alone. Uh, we've got pins and swag, so you can wear one of the firecracker swag. And then when you get to the event, you can be like, hey, you're a firecracker. And now you're not alone. Presto. Okay, going back to this kick-ass team that we have. Veronica Martin. Veronica Martin, I didn't know before this. She just reached out and said, I wanted to be part of the firecracker department. And I was like, yeah, let's bring you in. She's super funny and delightful to have around. She's also one of those people that... I don't know, just has pearls of wisdom and guidance and support just when you need it. One of those people. She's the head of HR at this engineering firm, and uh, she's also a baker, so I think she's going to be in charge of, like, a, a foodie department. Not sure yet. We're going we're gonna to research that, but that's coming up. Um, and maybe an Etsy page? Anyway, she's, she's definitely a kick-ass firecracker, and we're lucky to have her. Then we've got Deanna Moffat. Deanna Moffat is a friend of mine from Los Angeles because here's the thing. We have a chapter in Toronto. We also have a chapter in Los Angeles. Who knows where the next chapter is going to pop up? But Deanna is a life coach here, and she joins me uh, the last Sunday of every month where we talk about the firecracker spark question. And we just have these great discussions on the live Instagram, and uh, it's becoming like one of my favorite things to do. So... She's just fantastic. She's also one of those people that if you ever like, you know, when your brain feels like it's tied up in knots, you call Deanna. Not only are you going to have a good laugh, you're going to get some insight that's going to help you untie those knots. So I adore her. Deanna Muffet. She's one of my favorite people. And then we've got Mandy May Cheatham. Uh, Mandy, I've known forever. You'll know her from her series um, called Muffa. And she's like this kick-ass lady. So she came on board and uh, said, well, maybe I'll just help out with like being an advisor because she's so knowledgeable in so many different capacities. But she's going to become so much more because she's one of the folks that are in Los Angeles. So she's a key element in our Los Angeles chapter. So uh, yeah, she's just a dynamo. We're lucky to have her too. I mean, we're lucky to have all of them. I'm in love. Obviously, you can tell. And we've got Isabella Condrat, who's just a dynamo. I've met her through the George Brown Mentorship Program. And uh, she's one of those folks just helping out in every little capacity, but in the best way possible. Like, oh, no, we, we don't have that thing to do the thing. Oh, Isabella's there to help us out. So she's fantastic. So that's our new team. And I'm so excited to share these folks with you. Go to our website, firecrackerdepartment.com. Subscribe to our newsletter because that's key. You're going to want to like get in on all that action and uh, get to be part of this community. Because I mean, Firecracker Department started two years ago because I wanted to find a platform for women's stories and women's voices. And I wanted to do something with the frustration I had with our climate right now. Because I was getting angry. I don't like being angry. I don't like being full of grumpiness. I don't like myself like that. So in the vein of Carrie Fisher, I wanted to turn my broken heart into art. And I thought, I'm just going to put it all into Firecracker Department. So my goal is to make Firecracker Department so big and bold and beautiful and just it'll outshine all the crap that's going on. So people will just be focused on this stuff and being creative and being supportive of each other that 
they won't have time for that other nonsense. Um, I'd love it if you listening right now would go and join us in some capacity, whether it's on Twitter and give us a shout out, connect with us, uh, whether it's in Instagram, same thing, maybe subscribe to the newsletter, maybe subscribe to iTunes and write a review. That'd be so, so helpful because all the numbers help us gain our community, which gives us uh, further reach out. And then we're going to start chapters all over the place. Hey, where do you live? Want to start a firecracker department chapter there? Maybe that can happen. Let's talk about it. Uh, but let's just connect. I love this community so much, and I'm just enamored with how it's growing and supporting each other. One of the things we have coming up are going to be uh, webinars. So the more I'm connecting with my community, the more I realize one of the things they want is... Um, outreach. They want workshops. So I've started connecting with other folks who can do online webinars. We're going to offer that coming up. So it's just going to be a world of fun and you should join us for it. Okay. So now to my guest. Oh my gosh. Cat Barrel, who you will know her from Winona Earp, from Working Moms, from Private Eyes, from Star Trek Discovery, from being a cool lady everywhere she goes, and funny and talented. So she and I sat down at Second City. Um, so if you hear a little bit of noise in this podcast, it's because Second City is a bustling building of comedy people, and uh, you can't help it. Um, so we found a little studio and we had this discussion and, uh, she's just a dynamo. I love her so much. I know her a little bit from being married to my friend Ray, first of all, but then also just cause I've gotten to know her through hanging out in Los Angeles and she's just an amazing person. The thing I like about Kat and the thing that I recognize is she has been doing this since she was like a child. She was like directing things in like high school, if not before high school, and it made me sort of reflect on, like, what are the things that we we used to do? Like, I used to produce shows. I used to produce shows in my little cul-de-sac. I used to get tickets and then perforate them with a pin so that you could rip them. And then I'd give away tickets to the puppet show that I would do. Like, I would produce shows just like I'm doing now. It's kind of crazy. So I'm wondering what, what are things that you used to do that you're still doing like that? And Kat's one of those people. Uh, I just want to share this with you because I just loved talking to her. And I loved, this is the thing about these podcasts. She's so authentic. She's so like truthful about her journey. And I know it. I know there are people that are going to listen to this and go, oh my gosh, thanks for saying that because I too had that experience or I too struggle with this. And she's just, uh, she's a dynamo. Okay, so here she is, Kat Barrel. I guess, like, I feel like you're such a uh, um, a quiet powerhouse. Like, really? you have this, like, other life. Like, everybody sees that what you do on Winona and work and moms and things like yeah. that. But then your passions also run into, like, directing and producing. And I, I know a little bit, and I've watched yeah. all the shorts that you've done. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, because they're all online. Nice. You can see oh, them. some of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, shoot, I should have sent you more. But yeah. yeah, but it was great. And, like... And then I was reading that you directed, like, in high school? Did you direct, did. like, I Wizard of Oz? the Wizard of Oz. And I wrote my own play and put it on in high school with my best friend. I totally pulled her into it. But we wrote this, like, basically a sitcom. We Love wanted it. to write a sitcom. <laughs> about, and it was so funny because we were, like, I don't know, 14, 15, 14 probably when we started it. And we wanted to write a sitcom. 
but we didn't know anything about subletting an apartment. So right. we, our our plot was it was all these friends who had subletted this great apartment in Toronto. Yeah. Neither of us had ever left like our little hometown of Burlington. Love it. Um, but we were like, you know, five friends. <clears throat> they live in this great apartment in Toronto, and their landlord I forget what it was, but they had to they they the landlord wanted to raise their rent and get one of them to and get them to leave. Okay. But they all wanted to secretly keep it, so they were all plotting behind each other's backs of how to keep the apartment. But I remember like her dad having to sit us down and explain. <laughs> what a stop was. Like, we had no idea. We but you just 14. have, like, that 14-year-old, like, gumption, yeah. like, this is what we need to we do. Just, you know what it was? What was so funny about it? I remember thinking in high school that I wanted to go to Etobicoke School of the Arts. Right. And but where did that come from? Like, where did you get even... Like, I didn't even know Etobicoke School of the Arts existed. existed. Yeah. I think I had a friend whose sister had gone there for okay. opera, singing something like right. that. And it was it, like, fame to you? Like, the theater school? Uh, like the theater school. I don't know. I just... It was kind of like I had this, this image of, like, oh, it's going to be, like, in that movie thing. Yeah. But I think it was just I, I knew I really liked doing it. I knew by grade 10 that that was for sure what I wanted to do. I mean, yeah. when I was in elementary school, I, I really wanted to be a director. I know, but that yeah. fascinates me because, you know, like all of us actors always wanted to be an actor. You never, like... I know, I kind of did like it you, in reverse. Yeah, like it's yeah. so interesting because um, even like the things that you've directed, you're not always in. No, and I really like that. I really like... There's something really magical about being behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, some of the things were vehicles for me as an actor, but I really... I don't want to be in it if I'm directing it. Because mm-hmm. I also just think... And I've worked with people, amazing people who are in things and they direct them, but I do think there is such a thing as wearing too many hats. Yeah. Because you lose your objectivity. I mean, I think yeah. it's hard. It is hard, but I get yeah. also why you want to do it all. Like, yeah, I, totally. Yeah. It's fun. It's balance. But I... I love crafting a performance with an actor because like, I feel I like I get it yeah, and I understand kind of and I love faces I just like I love looking at people mm-hmm. like the more obscure and interesting the better I'm not as much a fan of beautiful faces as I am of interesting faces right I um I love I love the teamwork aspect of it. I love I come from a really small family, so I think like being on set there's this element when you of say like small, are you an only child? I'm an only child. <laughs> yeah, I am. And like how small is small? How small like, is small. Yes. That's yeah, small. I'm an only child, but I always dreamed when I was growing up of being in like a really big family with like six siblings. And I think that's what kind of being on set does for yes. me. Yes. Because it's this traveling circus. You're kind of with these people yeah. in really extreme conditions and I love the aspect of I mean, when it's running well, it's a, such a finely oiled machine, but every person, every like little job matters. And if one thing doesn't come through, the whole thing kind of falls apart. Yeah, it's, it's such so a domino true. effect. And I like love that about it. Yeah. That team aspect. And I don't know, it's so funny. I was in Los Angeles last week and I was talking, I had a meeting with the casting director. And we sat down and she said, you know, I, I love to talk about your acting, but she's like, I'm really interested. I see that you direct. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like I lit up. We had this whole mm. conversation about just directing all the things I want to do and my goals and like all these little things that I have, like micro-brewing. And, mm-hmm. and, and I walked out of that meeting and I thought, gosh, it's really like... It's really pulling at me. It's really Directing. tickling. Yeah, but I love acting, so I don't want to. I don't. It's so hard. Yeah. Because I still love acting. I love acting, and I want to keep doing it as long as I can. But I do also think there's such opportunity for women directors right now. I know. I mean, you can do it all. I think. Yeah. I think like you you're can. not Why always not? doing Winona. You're not always no, doing moms. No, you have no. gaps. You have gaps. You and can do it. You got. It's a yeah. matter of having the energy. Yeah, exactly. Because then it's burnout, right? Like, I'm burnt like, out. Yeah. Are you? 
No, I have been burnt out yeah. in the past couple of years. But how do you know that you're burnt out? Um, I mean, ex- aside from the exhaustion, I think a lack of inspiration. Yeah. And just like the fact that I think short films take a lot out of you. I've done, I think yeah. it's now been eight short films that I've been involved with, either as a producer, a director, or both. Yeah. And um, I do find that at the end of those, I was just kind of like, I can't, it's so much energy to put together anything. But even a short film, you still need to hire everyone. You still need yeah. to get all your permits. You still need to do all the contracts. I mean, whether they're coming on for it's a day. It's not short effort. No, it's not short <laughs> effort. But even if it's a day or mm. if it's 20 days, you still have to do a lot of the same amount of work. So I think I just got... I got disenfranchised with the whole thing. I just got really tired. Yeah. And I was I lost my um, spark, which is why I knew I needed to step away. And so many of these other amazing things were happening. I mean, you can do it all, but maybe not all at once. I mean, that's yeah, that's and what they waiting, say. And waiting for the muse too. I so badly want to do a feature, but I'm still really struggling with finding like the right script. And yeah, because you have that's something that's going to live with you. It's not like 100%. you can quickly shoot that off. No, in a no, couple no. Of days. And the and your first feature as a director, I think, is like. It's, everyone tells me they're like, don't screw that up. I know, but then I've also heard just do it. Yeah. Like, don't worry about making mistakes. True. Just do it and stop. Because I think there's something about, like, oh, I don't want to make this make this make a mistake, or yeah, I don't want to make yeah, this yeah. not as important as it feels to me in my heart. Yeah. And then you don't do it because it it won't it ever won't do that. Ever. So. Yeah. It's never going to be perfect, but I do think I'm still waiting for yeah. the script. I've read I don't know, several books, and I have some a comic that I'm reading right yeah, now, and like cool. just fishing it all, all over the place to try and find the right thing to make that step. But I really, I'm so conscious of like what you put into the universe. Yeah. Back to you. I don't want to confuse the universe. <laughs> really love the like, What do you want? What, Jesus. what do you want? You ask for everything. <laughs> That's right. But I, I, I really do love being an actor, and I'm just trying to enjoy what's in front of me right now yeah. while still pushing forward but I also think like we <laughs> I feel spend. like you're writing the universe an email right I now am. and just I mean, be like dear just, universe dear universe just to clarify my intent <laughs> I'm really enjoying my career yeah, really please don't like, stop yes this. exactly <laughs> exactly because there is this thing of like I'm so fucking lucky oh my god yeah you know I mean right a lot of it is it's, it's when what do they say like when your preparation meets your opportunity Magic? I don't know. Yeah, magic. Yeah. I mean, right place, right time. But also, I never want to say... You know, some people say acting is so much luck. Yeah, it is. But you also can't not put in the work. No, but I think it's luck, but you have to have... Um, you have to be ready for the luck to That's hit. what I mean, yeah. yes. you got to be in that place with your craft or whatever that you're... When the opportunity comes, mm-hmm. you can meet it with your skill set. Yeah, did you feel like yeah. you were, like, poised when Winona Earp came along? Um... Because that feels like the uh, tipping that point. That was a tipping point. Yeah. A hundred percent it was. Like, um, I kind of look at your other stuff and I'm like, yeah, you were like bubbling and yeah. just enjoying your work, but then Winona I really clicked it. it. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I was. I mean, that had been like five years out of school for me. Yeah. So that was like enough time to, that's when they always say that it's either you, the five-year mark, who knows if this is true, but people often say that five-year mark is when, like, the first round of people stop to, start to drop out. Oh, yeah. You know, I yeah. always heard when that. When they realize it's, like, the business side the of business acting. business and how much of a slog it can be. Yeah. And, and I think, um, but man, oh, man, I, was so, I never thought I was going to get that part. Why? Um, like, didn't you have an instinct to get that no. was like, no, wait a second, this one's No, mine. I didn't on that one. And sometimes I do, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes that's right. But I sometimes that have one, that, and you? then I go, don't. 
don't have it because you'll just get so disappointed. But like sometimes in my heart of hearts, I'm like, this is this one's mine. And then when it's not, I go. Well, I, I don't know anything then. Like, <laughs> what's, know. what's real? What's real? What about Santa Claus? Does I that not exist either? Like, what else? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, but with Winona Earp, you didn't... Well, here's why. I, I didn't think I I was tough enough to play cop. Oh, interesting. I didn't think I had enough of... Because I, when I think of cops, I think of these really strong, grounded... Um, powerful people right. and I didn't see myself as that. I'm starting to now. Interesting. More so. Yeah. But three years ago I really, I still thought I was an ingenue. I still, you know I thought all these things that my theater school so beautifully told right. me that like, here's your box. You will play in this forever. Yeah. Which was like, you will play in this for five years until you get too old for these parts and then right. you will play nowhere. Thank goodness you though. You know what like, I mean? But you know, God, you don't want to yeah. be a 50-year-old ingenue. No. That's baby Jane business. No, that's... Yeah, and that doesn't... I mean, are we writing that anymore? Sometimes. Um, like ingenue parts, you mean? For women that age, though. I, I don't know. I think I think everything's changed. I think the whole game is I changed, do. Which I, is, I would love to talk to you about, because it's so exciting. Well, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, that, I know. You're like, that is what Firecracker Podcast yeah. is about. But it's true. Like, yeah. I'm excited because I don't think that there are any rules for anything anymore. Yeah. And I think that makes it exciting and also scary, like, in the world of, like... Um, diversity and mm. um, labels and everything like that yeah. because I think people are so like well well, who do we do that if I can't yeah. tell you that you're going to play the, the wife because yeah. maybe you're transgender so you're not going to play the wife yeah. you're going to play the partner right yeah. and then you're yeah, like yeah. well like, everything's new everything's everything, new yeah. what a time to be women in the media eh? yeah it's pretty great do you feel have you yeah. seen a shift for yourself like do you feel a shift oh yeah tell me like what it oh. used to be like time travel me to mm-hmm. now like wow. maybe some, like an, a story that happened to you back then that you would never that I would never well I mean I think now. the first thing that comes to mind for me is like when I was in grade 8 and I've said this before but I I um, wrote in my grade 8 yearbook that I wanted to be a film director so that was what how old are you in grade 8 okay, I want to just well, take a yeah take a moment for a second and yeah. tell me who gave you the power that that's something you could do no one so it's just but something that's like that's what you, I'm talking about. I know, but there's got yeah. like like I love that you weren't like I'm gonna be the star in a show. You were yeah. like I want to be a film director. Yeah. So had you seen film directors? But there's the difference. So me then, and I think that's why I didn't pursue it at the time, because acting, ironically enough, seemed like the clearer pathway. Yeah. And because women talk about that all the time, yeah. or like people of minorities, they'll go, "Well, I didn't see anybody like me, me doing what yeah. I want to do, so I thought you can't do it. You can't do it." And now I see everybody doing everything. Exactly, so. and I think too. I mean, I think I had always. I look back, and I and I, you know, I think it's there's things that you're naturally adept to do, and there's things that you're good at, and mm-hmm. then there's things that you're kind of called to. There's different levels mm-hmm. of. Of, of doing something and I think I just from when I was really little I never wanted to just be you know everyone does skits in their basement I'm sure you did mm-hmm. a million of them right um, my basement was usually flooded so oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although we did a lot or of skits like, no one's arc skits oh, yeah no, no. I don't yeah. but I, I, I remember when I was with my friends and, and we used to like but I wanted to put, I wanted to like organize the thing or I wanted to lead yeah. the team or I wanted to have the overarching vision I was like that really yeah. see yeah. It, and it's like just a little thing in you I don't know what it is I think it's a natural thing if you're kind of drawn to a leadership role or yeah. if you have a good sense of like juggling multiple balls at the same time this yeah. multitasking aspect or 
I mean, with directing specifically or producing, you're having to have all these conversations with very different types of people all the time mm-hmm. to get something off the ground. Mm-hmm. So there's this sense of like you really have to have a certain level of empathy or being too, able to kind of chameleon yourself to who you're working mm-hmm. with at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were 12 or whatever, when you were directing, you yeah. were like, I'm going to be, and that was like a ticket tipping point for you. Like in your yearbook, you wrote that. Yeah, I wrote that. I don't, but I don't know where it came from. I don't know where it came mm-hmm. from. My dad's an accountant. My mom's a nurse. I think the only place I would have seen it, my best friend, Bridget, her family was in the arts. So her aunt was an actress mm-hmm. is, and, and no, she doesn't act anymore, but her uncle is still an actor. Her mom was a costumer for Mervish, so she okay. would bring me backstage on, like, The Lion King wow. and Cats, and 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 I think I, that's when I first saw the reality of a family, somebody working in the arts, yeah. because I had never seen that before. Yeah. Um, that it was possible. But it was possible, and I was never super into pop culture, which I'm still not to this day. I, get, I go to Comic-Con, and they're like, who's your favorite Avenger? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I get these like really lightning round questions about pop culture. I've never, and I'm still not, and that's actually one of my fears as a director is that I don't have enough of a film nerd brain, or I'm not, mm. what's that? I'm not like a film encyclopedia. I don't have that brain. And, and not even that. I think you, you do what you want to do, and, and you never say never because you, you don't know where you might fit in. But mm-hmm. I, I just didn't, I lost the passion for it really quickly. And yeah. it's so funny because now, retrospectively, I'm like, oh, musicals kind of irritate me yeah. sometimes. I'm going to see Hamilton next weekend, though, which I'm very excited about. I have not about. seen that yet, but yeah, I, I'm really yeah. excited. I'm scared to see it now with all the hype around I it. I know. My expectations are super high. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I should look. Where are you going? In, in New York? New York? Oh, yeah. Like, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So then when you went to theater school, you were like, okay, no, I need to be an actor. That you... I, and I had a teacher who pulled me aside. Yeah. And was like, get out. Who was that? Uh, his name is Mark. And he, um, he just pulled me aside and he said, I just don't think you're going to rise to your potential here. I think you should go mm-hmm. to... He was like, go to Juilliard. I like, I'll never get into Juilliard, but thank you for the vote of confidence. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going and I studied classical theater at George Brown. Yeah. And um, had a really interesting experience there. So, um, But I think theater school ends up being very interesting because you are so exploratory and yeah. there's such diversity in what you're discovering. Mm-hmm. What did you find? How was your class? Because I think that also makes... My class was great. Um, I had um, my class was good. I, I want to be. I want to be honest. It's yeah. been enough time yeah. that I just don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's also I, like yeah. the reality is it's was, a challenging time. Yeah, right? I was really bullied in theater school oh. for the first time in my life, and I had a former classmate of mine who actually came from Sheridan with me, who was very determined to remake his image at George Brown. Right. From being kind of a very... I don't know what was going on with him, and I don't want to speculate, but from being, like, very flamboyant, openly gay man to going to this theater school, and I think feeling like he had to fit into this classical theater leading man um, kind of persona... And I was the only leftover from his old life, mm-hmm. and he made very sure that I was very excluded from everything. When, which, when you're in a theater school of 25 people yeah. dwindling every year, makes yeah. things kind of shitty. Um, and I also had a teacher that has finally been fired after 15 years what? of people complaining to the school. Yeah. And he was finally fired, um, but he like made my life a living hell, and. Um, hated just 
hated that I was pretty, hated that I was happy, told me I would never be an actor because I hadn't suffered enough to deserve it. Um, he had this lovely ritual of putting us all up in front of the class and picking us apart, just oh like God. physically, emotionally, what he thought our background was, just everything. And the biggest lesson and irony I took retrospectively getting out of theater school is the people who were literally the bottom and just, because they would cut every, mm-hmm. year. they know, probably did that at Ryerson. Yeah. yeah. We graduated with nine. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. How many did you start with? Um, 30. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. I think we were 36 to 15. Yeah. So not as bad as you. It's rough. It's horrible yeah. though. And it creates this sense of like. I understand the thought process of, like, why they think they should do it, but it also creates this environment of, like, you're so scared to take a risk, and they all are like, acting is taking risks. Then you're in this environment where you're so scared. You're only acting to please the people that are going to keep you in the school. I know. You're never taking risks. You're never doing anything that you want to do creatively. You are so consumed with just trying to survive that it creates this horrible kind of environment. And, um, yeah, this teacher, finally, but there was people, like, I had it bad, but not bad to the point, I mean, there were people who wrote that school letters about emotional damage and the things that he had said or done to them, and it, like, it's disgusting Mm -hmm. how long it took them, and it was only a couple years ago when all this, like, Me Too stuff started hitting the news, and I finally saw it in in the newspaper Mm -hmm. about this teacher, and I was like, Jesus, that took way too Too long. long. And so, like, I mean, if that ever happened to you, the, the bullying that you're talking about oh, now... now? Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. So can you see anything? I mean, I'm... I'm oh, a, silver lining, of course. I'm a bit half-full kind of, of gal. Course. But, like, yeah. when I look back at the the bullying that I got from teachers, because yeah. I feel like that's consistent. Maybe not just in acting, but there's always the teacher that you're like, why don't you just be nice to me? Like, yeah. I'm not doing anything... Why do you yeah. like? Why do you have the, to rip me apart? Yeah, it was this like build you down to br- uh, break, break you, you down, down to build, build you up. up. But Ugh, it was just like bullshit. I remember having that and just being like, and just I, very confusing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like man, that built my strength up. It definitely built my strength up. Yeah, for sure. And, and now it's really good. It's really good to think of that as a, a half a half full. Absolutely, you yeah. have to think that way. Um, and I think just gives gave me so much fire once yeah. I got out of there yeah. to be like, I will show you. Yeah. Like, I will prove you wrong and all these things. And I think that's good. I think I did need it to a certain extent. Oh, yeah? Because, well, because I, I, I was a really good student growing mm-hmm. up. I never struggled academically. I always kind of did well at what I tried. It was the first time in my life where I had to really, really, really push. Because I also, I always was bored in school. I found school too easy. Mm-hmm. I um, was so ready to leave high school, like, way before I could. Mm-hmm. I just was, I was just bored. Yeah. But I think that was great. Because what it did is it, I mean, going back to the, the Etobicoke School of the Arts thing, I decided not to go. And I'm so glad I didn't because our school had zero arts program, like nothing. Right. I think our gym teacher, bless her, was teaching drama and like was like, I have no clue. She was so open about like, right. I have no clue. I'm just we're reading. gonna do the odd we're couple gonna, again. We're gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't, we didn't even do plays. You kidding? We didn't even get there. Right. Right. We were like, I mean, it was sad, but 
what that afforded me is that I, I was like, I want to do a play, so I'm just going to make a play. Right. And I'm going to direct The Wizard of Oz. What kid gets to direct their high school musical? No I one. That. I Because they were like, like, shit, this girl, like, really, let her do it. Yeah. I guess they were literally storing football equipment. I had to, before we rehearsed for our play, there was football equipment stored on our stage, and I would have to move this, like, stinky football equipment. I remember getting really mad and probably very out of place with the teacher of the, 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 the coach of the football team. So I was like, this is not a locker room, and, and I would, I had this huge broom, this janitor broom, and I would go back and forth, I would sweep the, the, the dirt from all the cleats yeah. off of the stage, stage, and it would reek of, like, 14-year-old boy, and right. it was gross, but... I know. I yeah. mean, I think I did that a couple of weeks ago for a show that we did, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never, <laughs> never too far away. Um, uh, so then, do you have uh, spidey instincts when you think you're getting treated the way you used to be treated? Yeah. And how do you deal with stuff like that now? Like, I know you don't put um, up with it, because that's... I don't put up with it anymore, but I also... I think... For better in some situations and worse in some situations, I I had to put up a barrier, especially with male figures, mm. as a young, beautiful woman, because I so was so determined to never like take a handout in return of flirting with me or like thinking that it was getting somewhere with me. I was so determined that that wasn't going to happen to me and I wasn't going to be taken advantage of mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. that I think that also is what pushed me to do my own work because right. I never wanted... I remember the first thing I ever said no to auditioning for when I was like barely getting any auditions for was for this horrible like poor prostitute role and I was just like I just can't do this. Yeah. I just don't want to do this kind of stuff. Did you and have like a mentor that you were sort of in mm. connection with? Like, did your folks like who did you check in with stuff like this? Who was your um, mm. confidant? I didn't have a confidant really. I had a, like some really great friends, but they were all kind of peers on the same level as me. But I had a really amazing teacher. Her name is Dixie Seal. Do you know yeah. Dixie Seal? Yeah, okay. right. Dixie um, was like a huge inspiration for me and she coached me a couple times too. Mm-hmm. But I just I just thought she was so powerful. Mm-hmm. I remember like, you know, she has this amazing like strong voice and she's really tall and I'm really tall. Mm-hmm. And she just was like so talented and so grounded and I never talked to her. I would love to go back because I haven't seen her in like five mm-hmm. years. I would love to go back and have a coffee with her or something because I don't think she ever knew and I don't think I even knew at the time to be able to tell her how much she meant to me but I just admired her and I knew I wanted to be like her I wanted to be strong and I wanted to be confident and I wanted to like command and hold my power and hold my space and that's what I so got from her so I think without having a mentor I was just really inspired by her yeah I think that's the same sort of thing I think I pick up like mentor qualities along the way Mm, I don't think I have like mm, one person but that same person where you're like oh my god I just so admire it's usually Mm. in admiration of their power yeah you know that I'm like I want I want a piece of that yeah yeah, you know and so in your career was there a point that you kind of um made a choice to not not have power does that make sense? Like, like you're yeah. as a director totally. from when you were a yeah. child, like a child, not, not really, but, but, no, but like, like maybe the, the, the seed. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's seed young as far as yeah. choosing a directing path. 
um, but but you, so you're always going to be in a place of leadership in your mind. Yeah. So was there a point that you went, oh no, I'm not going to let anybody push me around anymore? Yeah, I mean, right away, I think I was 20 when I started my production company with my buddy Kent Nolan. Yeah. And we decided to apply for Bravo Fact, yeah. which we got, which was amazing. This is Kit. And is this, this is Kit? this was Insomniac Production. Oh, okay. This was way back. This All was right. the first one, and we did this thing called Issues, and it was a Bravo Fact, and it was Kent and I, and it was out of a. I was so sick of waiting for the phone to ring, mm-hmm. and I felt so... For the first time in my life, I felt like I had no control over my destiny. Mm-hmm. Because growing up, I, I always had this thing of, if you if you want something that's not there, make it. Mm-hmm. And then for the first time in my life, I found myself in a situation where I was really beholden to my agent and really felt powerless. Mm-hmm. And that was my determination to go... I'm never gonna, I'm not, I, I will make my art and do my thing that makes me happy regardless of if anyone likes me or not. Right. So it was there from, yeah, that yeah. was probably it. And what about, yeah. so from issues, did you, what was the biggest learning thing that you, learning, mm. teaching point? The biggest <laughs> teaching point was that it was when I was busy with doing issues, all the other stuff started to happen. Yeah. Because I was happy and I was in my flow. Yeah. It was the first That's what we were talking about before, like being ready for the opportunity. Being ready for it. And for the first time in my life, I started to understand the concept of being in the flow. And it is something that I I felt like for the first time, I, I felt this sense of, oh, I feel really good. And I'm really loving what I'm doing. And then, like, I could, I could see the good things starting to be drawn to that energy. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time where I went, I think there's something to this. Mm-hmm. So I think if I just continue to focus on making my own opportunities and chasing what makes me happy, the stuff... It was my first time where I, where I was like, I can surrender a little bit to the universe. Mm-hmm. I don't like to surrender completely. I know, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. but I, I do think there is an aspect of... And now more than ever, especially with Winona, I have this feeling of like I want the universe to to use me for whatever good whatever people need from this show from this character I want to be of because I feel like this is really getting hooky but it'll come around I feel like I trust yeah you trust trust. (laughs) I feel like Winona there's a reason that I was attached to Winona and all the people involved with Winona because it was such a it's such a show that has changed, I think, like so many lives, especially with the queer representation, mm-hmm. especially seeing powerful women on screen, especially seeing a, a pregnant superhero, oh my God. like all these Love amazing things. And I th- just feel like the group of people that was brought together for Winona is Kim's it in some way. There, there is a reason that there's yeah. certain people on this show because there's a synergy on the show, and I think the fans picked up on it and we felt it. That there was a, there was just like a very special specific group of people that came around at the right time to change some stuff. Yeah, maybe that's me being. I don't know. I don't know. I like to think that there's something to that. That it has to be the right mix of people because I really do feel like I witnessed something very special being part of Winona. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason yeah. why it's successful. You know, like if, if yeah. this wasn't a voice that needed to be heard, it wouldn't be in it its wouldn't. fourth season and you wouldn't have the fan base that you yeah, have. 100%. But like it's obviously hitting, you know, hitting its yeah. stride and hitting like people in their hearts because it's important. 100%. It's an important voice. Do you feel like 
um, like your trajectory of your acting career is like going along and you're like wait a second I want to be a director too and they have to pull that along and then directing's going and you're like wait a second what about my acting yeah always but yeah. I think that's good I mean the thing is it's hard to do everything 100% at once it's yeah. impossible but I, I do think this is the thing this is the great thing about having something else that you're working on whether it be a podcast or you write and you direct and all these things like the beautiful thing about those things is you can kind of like let them simmer while this thing boils and then you bring that up right. and that thing goes down. Are you down. good at letting things simmer? Um, I'm a very typical kind of like scatterbrained Aquarian mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very, I love ideas and I love passion and I love getting inspired by stuff but sometimes I can be like talking about this oh look a butterfly like mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. like my mind goes mm-hmm. so I have to work really hard at staying focused and seeing things through because I, I'm oh. easily inspired that so surprises me I know because you have so many projects that you're like tick tick, tick. I don't know about tick 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 but it, well, it's maybe because there's so many things that happen in the background that don't get ticked right that nobody knows about <laughs> that's right the, all these TV shows I've developed right. and there's things that I've been pitching for years and they don't go anywhere and they just die right. slow lonely death on I know we don't drive. talk about the things that we don't no. accomplish do we because like, there are there's there should be like a whole blog of yeah. like just so you know just these so are you know, also the things that never things that came do. to be or, yeah. you know um, but I I don't know I, I think for my sanity I just have to I have that mind and it has to be occupied mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm, I've never wanted to be able to do the same thing all the time mm-hmm. yeah but I'm so grateful for that because I will one day be a much better director because I was an actor, and I'm a much better actor because I've done a bit of directing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Are you able, like when you're doing Winona Earp, are you able just to focus on that? Like, do you, does it demand that you do? It depends on what we're shooting, but I yeah. would be lying if I said there aren't times where I sit back and go, if I was directing this scene, what would I do? Right. But I do that as a nice exercise. Like, sometimes if I don't have a heavy day the next day, I'll, like break down the scene just for fun for myself yeah like how would I approach this yeah. and then see what the director actually does because it's a huge learning curve for yeah. me you know so I just do that sometimes for fun yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah. then like in your hotel or your wherever you are your condo stay are you like all right mom my lines are memorized I'm gonna work on this now or are you only mm. in Winona Earp world I try to stay in Winona because yeah. I, I have to like I want to do the absolute best that I can. Mm-hmm. But I like to have... I, 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 You also need... For me, anyways, I need a little something else to, to to give me a break. Yeah. To to step away. Because the thing is, especially for Winona, it's different working on like working moms where I go home at night and I go see my friends. And, but when in Calgary, you're kind of like, that's it. That's, yeah. You're, you're living and breathing that show. Your friends are literally your colleagues on the show. You can't spend every waking minute together. And we travel a lot in the off-season together. Yeah. We get along really great. But there is a point where you're like, everyone needs their space. Sure. And um, so I like to have something else because otherwise I just get a little too lonely and kind of too bored. Yeah. Um, but I think it's good. And it's good to exercise that part of my mind too. Yeah. Because if I'm trying to... I've been writing this like little show on the side for the last year and that was kind of like the little side project of Wynonna when I was shooting season three. Yeah. We'd have like, you know, Skype meetings with my writer and we'd work on stuff but it was, so I guess I lied to you when I said that. I was going to say, I'm like, maybe I just I, wanted you to know that you lied I lied. To me. I yeah. think I lied. <laughs> but I, I don't know but I think it's good. Like I would never do anything that would jeopardize what I, my work on Wynonna. No, like I that's your priority sure to keep that sure. in check but I do like having something else because I like to give my brain a bit of a break so I did lie to you. Like, somebody actually said that with writer's block. When you have writer's block, just 
switch. Yeah. Do something else for a totally. while because the worst thing you can do is like, oh, I'm done. My brighter's block. Why won't things come to me? Yeah. It's not going to come any faster. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any desire to be a writer. Okay. Like, I have a desire to be a creator. That's different. I get 100%. it. hundred yeah. percent. I love working a script. I love developing characters and ideas, but I do not have or do not desire the skill of being able to put that on paper. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. I'd rather spend my time honing something that I, I feel like I have a natural aptitude for and a desire to do than like beating a dead horse. Because mm-hmm. I do think I'm like, I'm never going to be a dancer and that's okay. Right. Um, you'll, you'll be someone who likes to dance. Not even that. You don't even like to I dance? Know, I <laughs> Did they kick dance. it out of you? They tapped it out of me. Oh, with you're a tapper. I was, I was a tap dancer, you? too. But you're probably really good at it. I can picture you being really good. Thank you for that photo confidence. Yeah. And I think I was okay, but then I went into a class like a couple of years ago going, I'm going to break out the tap yeah. shoes. <laughs> and I left oh, in tears. No. Because it's so hard. It is hard. Anyway. Tapping is like drumming, though. Yeah. It really is a different... I know, I took tap, ballet, jazz, jazz. lyrical. What was I doing? I well, was like... You were exploring your performance. Sure, yeah, life. but I remember I did this really horrible... It haunts me to this day. We had to do this, like, exam. Our yeah. dance exam was choreograph a four-minute dance, okay. which was like... Oh, my God. Like, the worst. I mean, first of all, we had to do it with our classmates... We had to be in each other's dances, oh, okay. but make no mistake, no one asked me to be in their dance. <laughs> I'm just totally fine with that. But oh. I... Um, what was your song? It's oh, so embarrassing. My song was by a girl who was actually at the school a few years older, and she had released an album. I choreographed this, like... Oh, it's so embarrassing. It was like this girl who was being put, like, put away, basically, because she was really emotion like she was it was about mental illness but I didn't really know I was so young I was like 16 or 17 years old I was so young I didn't know how to like express my ideas especially fucking dance yeah where I was like I no this about- was like this was like <laughs> I just had this balletic. it was of was, like a tap dance about mental illness oh, I kind of fell in love it's kind of awesome yeah, it's yeah that's fantastic. kind of awesome I mean now I talk I, I, like I get to talk about mental illness on so many platforms and it's yeah. amazing but back then I was still I was trying to figure out me and all these emotions oh I was God. having and my struggles with anxiety and like I didn't know and I was like I'm gonna dance about it yeah it was Okay, but horrible. can you see it at all being beneficial? Like when you say yeah. you had like anxiety and stuff like that, did sure. that help you? I mean, did did anxiety help me? No, did, did my, the dance? Did the dance? No, because it's like dance, a victory that you actually did it. I it was a vic- I had to. <laughs> I think I had no choice. But I, I mean, I, I would gladly have not have never have done it. Right. But um, I I was just like a really angsty. I was just like, oh, you're such still a teenager. Yeah, I was so angsty I about it. it. I was so like. And I just, my, those poor teachers who had to or, sit there and try, or like how blessed what are they, they were. What's in their coffee? You know what yeah, I mean? Like sure, what are they? <laughs> sure. But that had to sit there and try yeah. to be like, what do we say to this girl? This gangly like. You know, I mean, it's all it like fodder on ice. It was just. It makes you the comedian that you are. Yeah, like it helps. It's all fodder sure, for the future. Sure. Yeah. But man, oh man. And do you still have like? Like, when you talk about, like, angsty and stuff like that, do you still have that reverb right now, or are you... Um, I, I hate to say on top of it, because I feel like mm. we all deal with it in different yeah. levels of anxiety at different levels, yeah. but it's manageable I mean, and not manageable. Manageable not... I mean, I go, I've gone through periods, especially in my 20s, early, like, earlier mid-20s, where I was 
really suffering with like anxiety, depression, like mm-hmm. really, and, and I had to have medication and stuff to help me through that time. Because mm-hmm. I know you work with like girl talk, yeah, right? And yeah. you have like the in, yeah, and empowering I did, kids. those kind of things. I'm just trying to use the platform a little bit to like destigmatize, just help do oh my, my God, part yeah. to destigmatize. And I think it's been so great, especially the past couple of years, people talking openly about it, how so many of us struggle with that Mm -hmm. and then so many people who are like I've met people who are like I don't really know what anxiety is I don't think I've ever experienced it and I'm like that's amazing I'm happy for you but also they're like I'm really glad there are people talking about it because I had no way to help my friend or understand what they were going through Mm -hmm. or whatever or actually you have gone through anxiety you just didn't know what it was was, which is which is something that also I mean so there's there's that out of it but I think when I think of angsty I think of like I definitely have a temper and a fire that I think keeps me going. I hate injustice. Mm -hmm. I hate when things... I hate, like, nepotism in this industry drives me absolutely insane. The world is not fair for anyone, uh, no matter where you are in your life or career, but one of the things that really bothers me and gets me fired up is, like, people who get handed stuff to them because... But then you could say that about all of us. We were born in this amazing country. Oh my God, we're with, so privileged. Like, we're so privileged. So how can you... Where's the line, right? You can't make a generalization like that. But I, there are definitely things that like still fire me up. And my husband will joke with me and say, you have such a temper, you have such a temper. But I just am really passionate about... I mean, sure, temper, but... I think it's really tamed in my, as I get older and as I'm learning to take a step away and, and I just hate injustice. Like gets me super fired. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? How do you like, where do you put that so that you can live as a healthy human being? I mean, I think that the taking a step back or doing a bit more mindfulness work or a Mm -hmm. little bit of meditation or just, I've just learned not to react but like to sleep on it literally yeah. I'll sleep anything that's upsetting me I'll sleep on it one night and what a difference yeah. a night makes rather than yeah know. but it, I do tend to catastrophize still like I will jump from zero to a thousand it's like you know I've done one thing wrong and all of a sudden I'm being fired within like right. milliseconds oh my inside God. my head and it just is not healthy and something I'm really trying to work with yeah I don't know how to um, I get it too because we have great imaginations so you're like oh my god that like when that person wrote me that email that friendship is over Over. or like that person didn't return my email they hate me like we're we're all able to do it it's just exhausting it is exhausting and I don't want to live like that all the time there's a there's a place for it but it's so funny now that I I think everyone I think therapy is so great and I think if everyone has a chance to do it, they should do it once in their life, just for yeah. a little like self-reflection. Well, like a good therapist. A good therapist. I had yeah, a therapist once that told me to get a plant as my answer, and I mean, <gasps> in retrospect, maybe that was a good idea because it would give me something to look after. But it felt so nonchalant. A plant? Yeah. Like I was in a, I was definitely in a depression of sorts, and yeah. I remember like going to him and crying. He was like, "Well, have you thought about maybe getting a plant?" I'm like, "Ah, okay." What? And I remember walking out going, no. yeah, no, no. So a good therapist. A you good, need to make yeah, sure that like, like, you yeah, interview oh, for people. Sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to someone when I was in like, super deep, couldn't get out of bed, like, physically. Like, yeah. Like, a, like the, the kind of depression where you feel physical, like, pain. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, and I remember her, she was going back into, like, my childhood, which is a great form of therapy but not when someone is like literally in crisis yeah, mode yeah. And like, but I can't like eat I can't get out of bed I've you know like I can't function 
So like maybe get me out of emergency zone and then we can go back right. and do whatever kind of work you want to do. So things like that. Okay. So now that I'm in a place in my life that's different, I'm not in that like kind of emergency place mm-hmm. and I'm in a place, a very great place where I can be a bit more proactive and reflective about my mental health. I, um, been now going back and it's so funny. My dad, bless him. He's, he's an amazing man who has instilled me with like a very hard work ethic mm-hmm. and, um, an incredible value. Like he's the guy who will in a snowstorm plow, like his driveway and eight neighbors. Right. Like he's that guy. Yeah. Um, which I think I get so many of, of wonderful qualities from my father. But um, I was in the car the other day, and I was talking to him about some different work situations and opportunities and, and scheduling stuff. And, and I'm just, like, talking through it with him. And he goes, well, what are you going to do with Bernie? I'm like, Dad, I don't... And my dog. Yeah, of course. Like, I don't even <laughs> my have... Husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even have the job yet. I haven't yeah. even gone for the interview yet. Like... I can see where that thought pattern at a very young age mm-hmm. was put upon me because I was raised to look at every possible outcome and prepare for all of them. Yeah. And it made me very much like not able to live in the present. So anytime <clears throat> a, a, a challenge is presented at me, which is why I'm good at producing because I literally can right. go through everything that could possibly go wrong and like put in some sort of emergency plan. But it also made me an anxious person Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I was trained from, you know, the beginning of my life to like, look at everything that could possibly go wrong in the situation, but not the good things, like the the bad things, right? the stuff, you know. Are you a pessimist versus, uh, I think by nature, (laughs) I think by nature I'm an optimist, Mm -hmm. but I was raised with pessimistic values. Oh, okay. So it's hard for me to know. I've done a lot of work to get back to my optimist and it's only now as an adult when I go back to my home environment that I can see and and we all have different personalities mm-hmm. too like what works for a parent or an, uh, you know a relative that kind of raised you probably may not work for you because mm-hmm. you're just fundamentally different people yeah um so I would say I am by nature an optimist but I definitely have a brain that still tends towards let's still protect ourselves for for what can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And so when you, like, can you see depression coming? And do you have the tools now yeah, to, like... Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. <laughs> volley it away. Volley it yeah. away, I like that. I can see it coming. Like, uh, what are triggers for oh, you that you have to be aware? It, um, I know the feeling, like, mm-hmm. the physical mm-hmm. symptoms of, like, you have to take a step back and, like, talk to someone. Like, yeah. I know for me that yeah. I, if I'm imbalanced... yeah that's like a, that's a problem like if I'm yeah. working too hard it's gonna come back and smack me in the oh, face oh for sure yeah and yeah, then yeah. I'm gonna go into like a bl- the blues the or blues, yeah. I can get I don't sometimes I don't see it coming and I get blindsided like mm. like I'll have like um, an altercation with somebody that mm. hurts my heart mm-hmm. and then it'll just flatten me really It'll flatten me really yeah cause I work so hard to like Look after Bring people and make in. people like yeah. feel included in things, and then for somebody to misinterpret me and think yeah. it flattens me. That would that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, do you tend more towards a depression than you do an anxiety? See, I move towards more anxiety than I do depression. Um, maybe maybe you're right. Mm. Maybe anxiety. I don't know. What yeah. do you, what happens with you? For me, the, it's the anxiety. It's like the spinning thoughts. Um, the the kind of like the catastrophizing. Oh, okay. I can start to notice myself go from like zero to a hundred very quickly. 
Um, I also can feel physical symptoms, so I get a metallic taste in my mouth. Oh, okay. Or I get um, something that kind of feels like heartburn, but it's like a tightening in my chest. Yeah. Where on theater school, I was like laying on balls every morning trying to be like, I have this weird cold <laughs> muscle situation. <laughs> I had no idea that Meanwhile, it was actually anxiety. anxiety. Yeah, I was having oh panic attacks. Um, but I didn't know that's what they were. I just yes. thought I had constant heartburn and like that I couldn't breathe properly. I thought I had problems with my lungs. I, yeah. Wow. Amazing. But I, I, I think so. I do have some, like a few physical symptoms that show up in my body that just kind of cue me That's kind of nice to have. Yeah, it is nice. <laughs> Before is. you get too deep, you know? Before you get too deep. But I also like still check in with a therapist once in a while and that really helps because it kind of just gives me an impartial sounding board. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. I do this, like, I, I want everyone to know about this, so I'm going to mention it. It's an app. It's called BetterHelp. Okay. I'm not, like, promoting the app. Well, yeah. I am, but I have no connection with the app. I just, it's, like, really inexpensive. Everyone, it's kind of, I think it's, like, 40 US a month, and you can do four one-on-one sessions oh. with this person, which is, like, incredibly reasonable yeah. with how expensive therapy can be. But the great part about it is because I travel so much, yeah. and I'm, like, never in the same city for very long that I can stay with the same person. That is Because my, my, I tried to, to, to talk to someone, but I was moving around so much that there was, just, I could never build a relationship yeah. with anybody. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think yeah. everybody should have like a doctor, dentist, mechanic, therapist, like yeah. the people, the like people. you need you to need connect the with. Yeah. And the people who have nothing to do with your life. Yeah. Too, because you need an impartial, just sometimes somebody to, and also to check your shit. Yeah. You know, because oftentimes she'll say to me, like, is this really happening or is this you? Oh. And you're like, oh, right. Yeah, that is me. <laughs> but I've become so much more aware of what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I've had someone to point it out who's not, like, a friend. Who I'm like, no, that's not me. I'm like, it's totally me. Yeah. You know? The certificate on the figurative yeah. wall yeah, helps yeah, a lot, yeah. right? Helps a lot, yeah. But also just she doesn't really know. She doesn't know me. She doesn't know who I am. or She knows what I do because I talk about my life, obviously. But, like, she doesn't. She's never watched Winona Earp. She's that you know of. That I know of. She could be completely lying to me, but I really don't think right. she is. Um, but she, you know, she just doesn't, she doesn't care. Yeah. That I'm an actor. Yeah, it's nice to have that Yeah, impression. and I think sometimes, do you ever find that um, when you tell people what you do, that that sometimes there's a certain, like, oh. Yeah. And then you feel like you can't totally be, like, do you ever feel like you have to put up a barrier? Um... And, like, with a therapist or with anyone? No, 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 with, like, anyone. Do you ever feel, like... I don't have to tell people, like... Like, if I tell them I'm yeah. an actress, I just go, I'm an actress. They're like, oh, what have you been in? I'm like, oh, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I just yeah. leave it. And then you... Yeah. And Sometimes then... I lie. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? I just, I just say I work in production. I work, like, a... I'm, like, a film PA. Right. Yeah. Just why? Just to save, like... I just don't want to have it, like, oh, what have I seen you in? Right. Are you famous? Right. Now, do you like that? Do you like your celebrity status? My celebrity. It sounds weird, but you've got one. You get recognized. You get like, I don't know. Like there's there's Um, a level of recognition that you get. Do I like it? Yeah, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I have no like. It doesn't upset me. It doesn't. I I like it, but I I could see how what I have is like perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like I am so lucky to get recognized for my work. But it's also something where I can easily function, walk down the street with nobody knowing right. who the heck I am, and that's great, too. Yeah. I think it would be hard to not have that. What about your balance of life? Like, your yeah. husband's in Los Angeles, you're in Calgary, your family isn't here. Where's your dog right now? He's in Toronto. Okay, so he He's came here. with. He came with. Nice. Yeah, he came with. Balance. Balance is, is challenging yeah. right now. I think I definitely have... Um, 
I mean, who knows? We could we can do things a lot longer than we think we can do them. But I definitely have a sense of like the traveling and stuff that's coming up, especially like I think 2019 our con schedule is like insane. Mm-hmm. I think we're doing like Paris, New Orleans, back to Barcelona, to Portugal. Like we're doing it, uh, Brazil. Uh, there's talk of like none of these things are some of them are confirmed some yeah. of them are still in the works but there's and then like back to Europe and back to North America and then it, it's kind of insane mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I could do that like for years and years and years are those um, t- are those taxing those yeah cons? like do they yeah. look after you so you feel like you just have to oh, go oh yeah they look after you like we, they do have amazing agents and they like you know, to take care of a lot of the logistical details and everything, but even just the, the time zone yeah. and getting on a plane and, and packing. I just have a suitcase that's always packed, like toiletries and stuff. Yeah. I have doubles of everything and they just stay packed because, you know, it's easier. Yeah. And, um, and then the, the thing with like getting the clothes for the cons yeah. and then trying to like negotiate the outfits and then you're trying to, you know, bring all that stuff and you've got, I've had things where I've like had clothes shipped to hotels and I came from four months or four, four weeks on the road and I had stuff I didn't have anything with me and that stuff stresses so me because I don't have I mean I'd love to be able to like hire someone to take right. me I can't because right? people have so, this perception of like yes. folks like you they're like well just hire a style I'm I like do you know how expensive, you know that, expensive is? that is I can't afford that no. so I um you do a lot on your own and um that can be. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a. It's a whole other kind. Oh of no! It's job. very time consuming. For sure. And I like love it. and I get so much out of it, and I enjoy. It. I'm just trying. I know that nothing lasts forever, so I'm just trying to like live it to the fullest and enjoy it. And I'm sure, like, if I had children, it would be really much harder. I mean, yeah. even with Bernie, the poor thing. I'm yeah. thank God we have an amazing dog caregiver in right. Toronto because. He, like, lives there for sometimes three weeks. He's been there for a month one time. Right. And he, like, loves it. He sleeps yeah. in their bed. His Their dog is, like, sometimes I feel bad taking him back. Right, right. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, when we got Bernie, I had no idea that the... I, I mean, had I known that all this traveling was about, like, literally about to... I didn't know. Mm-hmm. You can't tell the future, right? So, I had no idea. And so... I probably would have waited. Had mm-hmm. I known, there's no way we would have gotten a dog at that time. So, you just do the best you can, but... Um, I just want to like live it to the fullest as long as it lasts yeah. and enjoy it, and maybe it'll last for who knows. Yeah, I mean, and hear I, that universe. P.S. Yeah, yeah P.S. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it would be it would be great, but there's definitely like the balance is something I'm still really trying. Like, to what's missing out. from your life right now? I think chill time. Like, mm. I time to chill um, is a little out of balance. Um, I think doing something other than work. So maybe that's in the same, but like I'd love to yeah. do a hobby or something. What would a hobby be for you? I'd really like to take a furniture making course. Sometimes in like overachievers like you and you're like, what's your hobby? Like, I'd really like to take a photography. And we're like, no, no, that's still in film. Oh, like, your, no, like your hobbies no, no. are still related, yes, still in, but furniture's not. Furniture's, so what yeah, do you want to make? Um, I love that. I think that's such yeah, a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I used to have a, like a leather working business. Oh my god! Of course, I you made did. leather bags. What was it called? It was called the Scarlet Swan. Wow. Yeah. And so I you had, make leather bags. I don't anymore. I still have all my tools, but I. It was kind of one of those like yeah. I'm gonna try. You yeah. Know, whatever. It was to supplement my acting income, which is like go be a waitress. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Start my own that's company very funny. and learn a skill. So I like apprenticed with a boot maker and, and did all this, but um. I think the furniture making, I love to work with my hands. And so there's something like, I'm such a tactile learner that I just, 
there's something about the, like the smell. It was the same with the thing with leather, like the smell, the the the, the timeless quality of it, the fact that it's kind of like a, a lost art. Mm-hmm. I really love that. So mm-hmm. I want to make like a beautiful rocking chair is what right. I really want to make, or something just really I don't know something for my home or a beautiful mantle like a fireplace I don't have a fireplace but I'd love to make a mantle sure sure yeah but I like the I think you're right like that balances things because then you're not and it does make you chill because you're not just focused on career it's like meditative social media 100% how do you feel about social media um well how do you feel about it no I want to I I feel about it I mean probably like everybody which is like a love hate right like I really love the connection that Mm -hmm. I get to have with people Mm -hmm. on social media and then there's sometimes where I feel a little bit like I'm like under their thumb, like the yeah. social media's thumb of yes. like, hey, have you tweeted today? Have yeah, you? Done? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, oh my god, no. Oh my god. So be funny, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do like the challenge to be funny. Yeah. And when I'm not, like, if I'm not doing like a like a job or I'm not on set yeah. for whatever days, like it's nice to be have that challenge. Yeah. What about you? Because I mean, you have a fan base that's yeah. Nice. I um. I like what I've struggled with with social media is is um like how much personal versus how much work yeah. am I comfortable with? How much, you know, like Ray and I have had to have conversations of like how much of our personal life do we want on the internet? Absolutely. Because it immediately gets screenshotted and shared and like I can't that's what social media is for. If you're gonna put something on social media, you better be prepared for it to like go everywhere. We yeah. had like an incident with our wedding pictures. Our, we had a our photographer basically put our wedding pictures online to use for his portfolio for an upcoming wedding event, but we hadn't seen them yet. So the first time I saw my own wedding pictures was on a fan site. Oh wow! So it was like that was a th- you know so there's, it was jarring yeah. and it, and um, you know and sometimes you get people saying mean things like very seldom. I'm super lucky for the ratio of like how many people I have following versus like the occasional mean thing I get yeah. is so small. So like whatever. I it's so funny because when I've been in Los Angeles the past couple of months. I, I've had a lot of meetings with casting people just to like get to know people. And um, I ask them how important is social media to your decisions? Because you hear all these stories mm-hmm. now about like, oh, it was between this actress and this actress, but she had more followers, so we went with her. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's so disheartening, but I get it. But it's kind of like lazy producing, like go promote your own show, market your own show, don't like depend on, but then I understand why they're doing it. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. I totally get the power of it. And I can respect it, and that's, like, where we're going. But I think that there, what is happening right now, especially with young fans, is there's a disconnect between what a, an actor is and what an influencer is. Oh, okay. And I think actors are being expected, because there's so many blurred lines, actors... Because an influencer, your kind of career is basically built on you kind of sharing a lot of details about right. your life. Like right. Breakups, you go on and you make a YouTube video about it, right? You're, you and your significant other are, you know, making videos together and then you split up and then you gotta like talk about that and then you gotta like, this is me cooking, this is me right. walking my dog, this it's is It's such me. a fine line it's though, right? It's such a fine line because I'm extroverted to the point where I like love one-on-one conversations in small groups, but I get very intimidated by large parties. Mm-hmm. I get very drained by large parties. So like the cons and stuff, I love going to them. I like love the interaction but I need a day after to like be on my own and chill and decompress. Whereas my husband is the opposite. Yeah, so you know, right? That guy. Super extroverted. Yeah. Will like talk to everyone and yeah. we'll get home at night and he'll be buzzing. Yeah, and he'll be like, I want to go and do all. Like, he's like filled with energy he's by fueled. it. He's fueled. I know. Fueled by people. I know. Ray 
yeah. forever. I know you I love have. it. I love how long yeah. our friendship is. How been. long have you guys been friends? I mean, since Vancouver. So, oh my gosh, yeah, so like a lot. Like twenty years, at least. 20 at least, years. that's amazing. I know. Yeah. We did like a fringe play together. Did you do theater together? Yeah, he was no adorable. Way. Oh my god! I keep on telling him, like, why don't you produce more plays? I know he's, he's so funny. He's, he's so funny too. He's so funny. I don't think he, he's so talented. Like I just, yeah, I don't think people get no full comedy of Ray. No, um, but, but he, I do understand just social media wise. Yeah. Like I do understand like with like Matt and I, Barum and Sneakers. Yeah. I we have this podcast, so I'm like, okay, how do I want to promote this podcast? Well, I'm gonna have to let you into our life. Right, because that it's based on. I didn't know you had that. Yeah, oh. so with like, because Barum and Sneakers is our relationship stuff, and then it's us. Like we're wow, our brand is Barum and Sneakers. So how do I do how that? How do you negotiate working? Like, how do you? Here's what we struggle with. Yeah, um, is like we both work in the same industry, so it's and a lot of our friends, like yourself, are in the same industry, right? And so a lot of our lives are shop talking mm-hmm. and so how what we struggle with is like when do you turn off the shop talk because then you just become like and the thing with our life is we're either home together constantly or we don't see each other for right. four months right. so it's like there's no opportunity for like balance it's very tricky and then what do you do how do you get that it's literally like stop talking shop yeah and it's, then what do you talk about <laughs> the dog, right? The psyche of the dog. Bernie's like having all these like anxiety. He's okay, but he's like a soup. He's always been a really anxious dog. Yeah. So like traveling with him, I wanted when we talked about getting dogs. Like yeah, the dog will come on set. They'll come all over. They'll be great. But we didn't take into account that you might get a dog who's naturally not dispositioned for that. I know. And so we really like a lot of our. And then we're like, we're talking about Bernie too much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, what do you talk about? I don't know. I mean, we love watching. We love going. This is what we do like to do. We love um, cooking shows, food shows, yeah. and going out for, like, really nice meals and picking apart the flavors. Yeah. Like, we're those obnoxious yeah. dinner people. But that takes but you away from talking about passion. your work. That's our and... shared joy that has nothing to do with work. Yeah. We love eating together. We love a good meal. I'm eating, like, almost no meat mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. which he's like, oh, no. <laughs> he gets it because I'm, like, having a bit of a moral crisis with, you know, I've just been thinking a lot sure. about that. that. And um, trying to make some changes in my life, but it also comes with like it's like, who am I going to eat this? <laughs> we can do vegan though. We can do like all these great vegan restaurants. That's right. Um, but um, I think it's important. We're still trying to figure out like what is the balance, right? Because I mean, we both love, we love what we do. Yeah, you yeah. Know? We love what we do, and what's not? What do you mean? It's going to be that balance. The yeah. pursuit of that balance is forever. It's forever. Yeah. It's constant, right? And it's always changing. But I think like further on in our lives, if we have a family or if we have, yeah. you know, then the dynamic shifts and you've got like other things to, to talk about and worry about and stuff. But I, he likes talking shop much more than I do. Right. You know, right. Yeah. He like, he loves, he I does. love the business too, but just in a different way. He, yeah, there's like, in another life, he would be a great agent or manager. Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. And he gets a little bit of like a twinkle in his eye when he yes, talks about anything. He loves that. Yeah. It's almost like it's his like his his other love other than you. Totally, you know what I mean. Like totally. he has, the, he has the love for it. Yeah. Whereas I know for me, and it's not again universe, dear universe. Um, <laughs> don't pay attention. Yeah, to yeah. This part. No, 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 no. But it's not that I don't. I do love it, but I love it for different reasons. I love to hide. 
I love the aspect of disguise. I love the aspect of like living in someone else's shoes. And I love the aspect of getting behind the camera. And I I love um, the transformation of it, that I get to escape from myself for however long. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think what Ray loves is he loves to make people laugh. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. loves to, to make them happy. He loves to entertain so we just, it's funny because we have two people who do the same thing, right. but we come at it for different reasons within yeah. ourselves. And that's I think that's interesting. really interesting. Yeah. What do you think, um, what do you think your future is? Like, what are your hopes and dreams for future stuff? I just want to keep being creative my whole career. I hope that I have a career that continues to let me jump from passion to passion. Mm-hmm. I would love to be like Megan Follows, who goes to direct two episodes and then she goes to act in a season of something. That's my dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, kind of doing that. Yeah, because of your own fruition, For like my it, own stuff. Yeah. So I'd love to do, keep doing what I'm doing, but take it to that next level. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to create a TV show. I would love to get to not necessarily a showrunner, but I just love to like birth something of that yeah. size. Um, but I, I mean, I really am very happy with the choices that have brought me to here, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I think I just want to keep doing it and start getting to that like next level of these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to wrap it up, not because yeah. I want to, no, but no, because no. we. Uh, really? I always talk so long, and then That's I have to so edit, good. and I want to keep it. Yeah, but we could talk forever. No, I know. Um, so tell me, like, something that you're inspired by these days, like whether it's a book or a mm. podcast or. Um, a film or a series that you're seeing? What's the latest thing that you're jazzed by? I mean, it's gonna. this is such a like political thing to say, but I'm really excited by how much diversity and female opportunity there is right now. Yeah. Um, I'm really jazzed by like shows like The Handmaid's Tale. Right. And the fact that, you know, we have all these female showrunners and female directors yeah. coming up the ranks. I'm just really jazzed that we get to experience this time in history, yeah. in the media, because I think it's there's a monumental shift going on right now, and I'm just jazzed by all the things that are popping. I mean, it's all these little things of like my friend's business just won like a young entrepreneur mm-hmm. award, or you know, my other friend is creating a show, or my, just seeing people have been working so hard finally getting the opportunities that they deserve, right? Um, and watching the playing field like level a little bit yeah. is getting me pretty jazzed. I'm excited for what's to come. Like, mm-hmm. I feel very hopeful. Yeah. That's a nice feeling. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you have given yourself as a kid? If you as knew. A kid? Yeah, like mm-hmm. in your. Before your director debut at Wizard of Oz. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Or at, yeah, like yeah. Your, your lyrical dance. My lyrical dance. Your friend's song. I think one of my regrets is I've always tended towards the serious. It's just my nature. Mm. But I, I think. And I think growing around adults was a big part of that. I didn't have kids yeah. to be silly with, so I didn't develop that side of myself. Um, but I think just to like seek out more opportunities to play, don't be afraid that you have to be somewhere at a certain age. You don't take that year off between theater school and working to go travel. It's not going to derail your career. Mm-hmm. You know, these things were at the time I thought, I have to just work. I have to get right into the next thing. Like travel take some time I'm so lucky that because of the cons I feel like I got a second chance at that I'm so grateful um but I think yeah to to give yourself permission to be silly I think that's one of the Oprah had this great podcast I'm gonna find it 
but she was interviewing this woman about the seven pillars of, of being complete, being okay. whole, and one of them was to have fun, to be silly. And such a weird thing to remind yeah. people to do, but I yeah. agree with you. What yeah. what is having what is having fun and being silly look like now for you? Oh, great question. I still probably don't do it enough. I mean, even just going out with friends, not being like you have to work, you have to stay in and finish this thing. I think I can get a little bit obsessive mm. with with that stuff because I do really like love to work. Yeah. Um, but I think just going out with friends, cultivating friendships or relationships. I was always really intimidated by large groups of people, so going out to partying wasn't really my jam. Mm-hmm. But I think finding it in other ways or, 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 you know, even going high school to theater school, it was always like a small contains created group. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the, the experience of going to university and kind of meeting hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, I think, um, was the last time you were like silly? Oh, I know what's fun. I went last Tuesday. I went to, um, Ray surprised me and took me to Universal Studios. Fun. Yeah. We had such a good time. We did like, Rides, my friend Sarah. You know Sarah Booth. She's in yes. the um, Waterworld show. Oh, so fun. she did a show. We went to that the Waterworld show. Killer! It's amazing. Yeah. she's so badass in it. It was yeah. really fun. We did that. We did the Harry Potter. Oh yeah, I had so much so fun. Much I was fun. like, I gotta have had to have done something fun in the last week. Yeah, we went to Universal, and that that's was a great way to be silly. Really fun. Like do something really silly. And I just like it. giggled and had the best time. And yes. we ha- we started the day by like getting bags of candy. Love and, it. Like it was awesome. Yeah. Um, did you go on the mummy? Ride? Didn't go on the mummy ride. The mummy ride. I was weeping, laughing. Really? Yeah, it was so much. I went on it a few years ago, though. Yeah, it's the VR one, right? No, no. Oh wait, no. I don't even want to tell you anything about it. Next time you go, yeah. Next time you go back, I don't want to give you any preemptive. But the Harry Potter ride was great. So fun. Yeah. So fun, and the studio tour was really fun. Yeah, we did that too. It was super. I was like, had low expectations, and it was great. It was so great. I had a really good. Yeah. We had a blast. That's good. Yeah, and we went out for dinner, and we... Oh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. There we go. I mean, you married a silly guy, so you're... I did. I'm laughing... It's good. ...all the time. Yeah. And that's probably... I think it is one of the things that attracts me to Ray, is that I, I couldn't be with somebody... Like me, I have to have somebody. Well, who, no, like, not like you. Pulls but like me you're, out of it. yeah, I you get know. It. But I'm, I have, I feel like you're. It's funny, you know, your perceptions because I don't know yeah. you very well, but I do feel like you're a vivacious and like creative and funny person. Like I don't think of you as a as a serious. As serious. That's good. Yeah. No, I don't think I'm serious. I think I'm just shy. I don't even give you that. Really? Yeah, I don't no. even I was, like if you asked me to describe you before we talked today. Yeah, I wouldn't have given shy. Really? No, that's I would have given like outgoing, friendly, and funny. Really? Yeah. Well, that's really nice. Thank you. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Isn't it funny how we like see ourselves in these ways? And I think we just attach these labels to yeah. ourselves. But don't. Yeah. I mean, you, you're. I don't even think it's yeah. worthy of a label. You're. You're just cat. That's yeah. just like yeah. That's nice. You're delightful to Thanks. speak to. Thank, Thank you, you for, for taking the time. I'm, I'm glad so we made it happen. Victory. Yes. Thank you, universe. We're different cities, but we made it happen. I know. It worked great. Yeah. I'm so happy. Amazing. Thank you, Thank my friend. Thank you. And that's Kat. Don't you love her? I love her. I. The problem with these interviews... I can't edit. I can't edit any of the stories because they're so great. So they end up being long. So... Um, I mean, sorry, but also you're welcome, because what great discussions we've had. You can uh, throw them into your ears when you're going for a long walk or a long drive, or listen to it in parts, or listen to it while you're cleaning your closet, which is where I'm recording this. 
in. Not your closet, mine. All right, go and follow Cat Barrel on Twitter. She's at Cat Barrel, B A R R E L L. Uh, and cat with a K. And then while you're there, follow us, Firecracker D-E-P-T, and tell me what you thought about this interview. I'd love you to be part of this discussion. I'd love to know what you thought, and I'd love to have you part of our community. I'm going to give a little Firecracker shout-out, which you're always welcome to do, hashtag Firecracker shout-out, to my other podcast that I work on, Barum and Sneakers. This is a podcast I started with my partner slash husband, Matt Barum, and we do uh, live shows in Los Angeles and Toronto and maybe in your city coming up. Um, and we do like discussions with funny people and we always have just a riot and they're only 30 minutes long. So go on over to Barum and Sneakers and join in the fun over there. It's sort of, uh, Matt calls it the, uh, the sister production. We also have this fun, fun, fun um, new series coming up called Someone Stole Something. And it's a parody on the true crime style. So go on over to Barrow and Sneakers and join us for that fun. All right, everybody. That's the firecracker department. I'm Naomi Sneakers. I so appreciate you listening to the podcast and being part of our community. And let's keep it going. Who knows what the firecracker department's going to come up with next, but you should be part of it. All right, everyone, go on out there and be bold, be brave, believe, and have a great time doing it. We'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department, everybody. Bye.